You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the reasons for restoration failure and alternatives to traditional restorative materials. We will also review the concepts of bioactivity and biomimicry. Our guest and expert on the topic is Larry Clark, Director of Clinical Affairs and Marketing at PulpDent. Larry has authored publications and lectured extensively on dental materials and was the first non-dentist, non-dental lab member inducted into the American Society for Dental Aesthetics. Larry, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk today. Hey, thank you, Phil. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so um, you know an awful lot about bioactive materials, biomimicry, and we're going to be talking about that over a series of podcasts. But in this one, we're going to be focusing on why restorations fail and some of the alternatives to traditional restorative materials. Again, as a general review, you'll be talking about bioactivity and biomimicry. So let's start with this first question. In your mind, why do restorations fail for the most part? Well, it's actually a huge subject uh, that I'm involved in with researchers all around the world. And um, I mean, when you look at uh, some data and how it's changing between uh, 2000, well, from the time we started studying it, about 2008 to where we are today, the annual failure rates, for example, in 2017 were about 14.6% for composite resins, and they're saying they have like a five-year median survival. And around the world, it's uh, the average lifetime right now of a composite restoration seems to be anywhere from 5.7 years to 6.3 years. And so um, it's become a, kind of a large issue around the world because many governments have uh, uh, gone away from amalgam. And at this point, composite has about the half-life of an amalgam. So we're really taking a very serious look at why uh, composite resins are not lasting as long as what we would hope they would last. So the bottom line in the posterior region, it, they always say in the research studies that uh, caries were the reason for failure, but caries occurred as a result of leakage. And um, in the anterior region, there's more fingers pointing towards the effects of biofilm which is uh, we're learning more and more about uh, every day now. Leakage and biofilm would be our two enemies. And when they say, uh, when you say five years on composite, um, it's interesting that you say that because when I was in dental school, the average life of a crown was about five years. They told us that was way, you know, that was a long time ago. But um, I thought a, a, a well-made, well-fabricated direct composite would last longer than five years. So leakage and biofilm, are the main causes of failure. That leads into my next question. What are some of the alternatives to traditional restorative materials that hopefully will improve those um, failure rates? Well, at this point, you know, tradition, you know, when you use the term traditional restorative materials, I, you know, I'm old enough to think back to amalgam, <laughs> but these days it's uh, composite. And, um, you know, what we're learning, not just in dentistry, but through the, uh, through the medical community, is biofilm is very attracted to composite materials and is very difficult to actually remove from composite materials. And the, the deleterious effect is, of course, the biofilm is carrying these acids. And so here you are, the traditional materials are attracting these materials that contain these acids that uh, have a tendency to either break down the margin marginal areas, creating marginal gaps, and or uh, actually break down the chemistries. 
So the alternatives at this point are either glass ionomers, uh, uh, indirect uh, restorations. I would say that the, uh, there's now uh, two uh, companies selling bioactive restorative materials, the Pulp Dent Company and the Parkell, Parkell Company. And I think these are, you know, much of the community now is starting to look at them as the alternatives, but it's just really beginning. So I would say that uh, we're still very much using traditional uh, restorative materials at this time. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> tell us what actually determines a product to be bioactive. Well, if you, if I were to quote uh, Jack Farrakane out of the University of Oregon, he would talk uh, in terms of these materials as, as being inert and passive. In other words, uh, they're they're safe and they're um, you know they've been well uh, received by the dental community, but they they're not going to be considered in the future to be. Um, uh, what we what we really desire, you know, uh, Dr. Farrakane actually says, uh, well, these materials are still relevant and necessary will no longer be uh, considered sufficient new materials being introduced under development and so on and so forth. These are materials will provide a wide range of diverse functions, you know, uh, that will in either uh, inhibit biofilm, they'll help in the remineralization of lost dentin and enamel and the regeneration of diseased pulp. So the new material, you know, everybody's just starting to point to the future right now. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, pulp dentin activa have been out there about five years now in the marketplace, but we've been primarily working through education, not through marketing and not necessarily trying to create enormous awareness. We're definitely feeling our way along, like many companies right now, to see how this future looks. Yeah. So the research is starting to really support the benefit of the bioactive materials. Um, and again, you mentioned glass onomers, and that's probably the kind of the traditional material dentists use in the cases of patients that are more prone to recurrent decay um, and that kind of thing. Is that is that correct? That's right. And, you know, that's a good news and in some ways not, you know, because what happens is, you know, we're all creatures of habit in that we find one characteristic of a material and then we earmark it for that that kind of patient. There's a great uh, quote that I was given by uh, Dr. Nelza Waltz in a number of years ago. It said, basically, talking about failure, uh, glass ionomers fail from the outside in, but composites fail from the inside out. Which one would you rather have? <laughs> and his reference was to the fact that glass ionomers wash away over time, but when the when they're gone, the tooth structure is still in really good condition and can be, you know, materials can be reapplied again without the loss of dentition. Whereas with composites, of course, they leak, they get caries underneath them. And of course, the next uh, re uh, restoration is going to be bigger and deeper. Right. And so how many, if, if you're looking at composites lasting 5.7 years and you just did a big class two on a 16 year old, you know, how many composites is he going to have before he goes into other types of dentistry? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, Nels Ewaldson is a great speaker, and he's actually done some fantastic podcasts with us on, on Viva Learning. So um, to end this podcast, and, and I know you have several more coming up, which we're excited about, can you tell us 
a little bit about biomimicry. What does that mean and how does that apply to bioactive materials? Sure. Um, I started uh, working with the term biomimicry uh, uh, last year because so many dentists were having difficulty understanding bioactivity in North America. And what I realized was, you know, in essence, what we're trying to do with bioactive, bioactive materials is mimic nature. So the definition of biomimicry, which uh, came out in the late 90s, is viewing nature as a role model or a teacher. Nature's, for the most part, has already solved many of the technology and sustainability problems that we face today if we, if we look at it. It's really also a matter of we must learn from nature, not just about nature. Because nature, if we can learn to imitate nature's processes and not just the results, we're so much farther ahead. So biomimicry is the design and the production of materials, structures, systems that are modeled on a biological entity or a process. So we're just we're trying to mimic what we had in the first place. To me, the gold standard is the tooth. And everything we should be pointing at is to mimic the function and the abilities of that tooth. Yeah, that's a very, very logical approach. And uh, only a few years ago have they, the manufacturers really embraced that concept and commercialized products that fit into that characteristics of, of being so um, nature friendly and mimicking, mm-hmm. m- you know, mimic the activity of, of what we want to happen at the tooth restorative interface. So, um, correct. It, cer- it certainly seems like Pulpton's ac- accomplished that through the products. You mentioned one product earlier, and could you mention that again for our listeners? Activa. And Activa comes in a restorative material, a base liner, and a cement. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. So the, so there are options out there, but there's really, at this point, two companies that have really mastered these materials for commercialization, it, it appears. Um, I'm surprised some of the largest, you know, the, the super large companies like the 3Ms of the world haven't uh, moved into bioactive materials as you have. Any reason for that, do you think? <laughs> I have no... <laughs> Only personal ones. Uh, the the <laughs> I think you're you're going to see it this year and next year. I think you're going to see all of the major manufacturers. Everything I hear in the research world and the research meetings that I go to point the, to the fact that everybody's working on some sort of uh, product or technology group that uh, is bioactive. So the dentists that are sticking to the traditional composites. Would you say that they're reluctant to switch to another product that may fall under the category bioactive simply because they're having success with their traditional composite and they're, and they're doing these composites and they're lasting for a long time and the patients are happy? Why wouldn't all dentists start transitioning into bioactive materials considering all the advantages they have? Well, as you know, change is difficult for all of us. Um, and in dentistry, I think it's even more difficult because we're so protocol driven, you know, in our given procedures. And so, you know, bioactive products do require, you know, some change of thinking and some change of uh, how, how you look to place them, you know, in terms of handling characteristics, at least the way they are today. I'm sure uh, these materials will change in the future to become more uh, like what is commonly being used today. But I would say it's just, you know, uh, most dentists coming to an understanding of what the benefit of these materials are in terms of long term. 
you know, that's they are, they definitely have long-term um, possibilities that uh, we don't think uh, we have with traditional materials. Yeah, that, uh, that makes, so, makes makes a lot of sense. And and um, hats off to you guys at Pulp Den for all the hard work, the research and development you, you've done over the years. You were way ahead of the curve when you launched your uh, bioactive materials. You know, I don't know exactly when they launched, but... Uh, uh, in 2014 it was a very scary day <laughs> okay about five years ago yeah congratulations on the success yeah um so uh thank you very much larry for your participation in this podcast and we'll see you on another podcast very shortly thanks so much thank you phil appreciate it